We'll know more the next couple days. I haven't even had a chance to talk to him. He said he was feeling a little bit better today, so that's a good sign. Like I said, sometimes there's stuff that doesn't show up on, on all the scans. He just All I can tell you is he's feeling a little bit better. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. 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 All right, here we go. Five o'clock hour. Adam Hill is here. Ari, it's Steve Cofield. What's funny? We got a lot of stuff coming up. We got a really interesting stat on the potentially the MVP of the league, considering the team he's on. But that's coming up in about 20 minutes. You're chuckling. What'd you say? Uh, I Were you reading you... the Marcus Arroyo statement this morning? Was that? <laughs> yes. Did you think that was funny? I did. Well, but yes, what I parts did. of it? Uh, just the how quickly he got to the COVID year. Uh, but no, I was laughing about the uh, Conor McGregor. I told you about a Conor McGregor story earlier. Yeah, McGregor and one of his fight camp mates and a fighter, Artem Lobov. We hit this last week where Lobov's like, hey, you sold your whiskey company for like $600 million. I was in on the ground floor. You promised me some money. I've got nothing. Yeah. So I haven't seen McGregor's response. Was it a typical well, get the bloke out of here? Basically, he, but he, uh, Lobov has sued him, and Connor said, if you want the money, fight me for it, and you can have all of it if you beat me. And he wants to meet tonight at the gym and do that. But the reason I was laughing is because he referred to Artem Lobov as an uncooked sausage, which is kind of funny. That's pretty good. Yeah. He's like, you uncooked sausage, meet me at the gym tonight, and we'll fight for the money. Ari, an uncooked sausage, is steering the ship this hour. <laughs> I don't even know what it means. It could that it's, actually could I, be. That's why it's so funny. It could be a compliment. <laughs> I don't think the it ingredients is. of sausage are Gross. mysterious. Adam Hill, Steve Cofield. Funny thing to call somebody. All right, let's get into headlines at five o'clock. You hear Matt Lafleur coming in. I know you're kind of irked by this whole thing. I want to get to Rodgers and whether he's going to play this week against the Bears. But first, do we have a Deshaun Kaiser sighting? Yeah. What's going on here? Deshaun Kaiser was doing an interview, and he was asked about his dealings with Aaron Rodgers because obviously when Kaiser was a rookie, he was with the Packers. Right. Uh, was drafted High there. draft pick out was, of uh, Notre Dame. Yeah, was uh, was his backup. Then eventually was with the Raiders where I got to know him a little bit. Good dude. Really good dude, yeah. actually. Okay, good. Um, and so he was asked about his dealings with Aaron Rodgers, who now everybody kind of knows is – you know, a little bit out there with some of his opinions. Out there. He's a free thinker. Deshaun <laughs> he knows better than the sure. rest of us. We all need to open our minds. Deshaun Kaiser said he walked into his first meeting with Aaron Rodgers, met him. How you doing? Deshaun, nice to meet you. I'm Aaron. And Aaron's response was, do you think 9-11 was real? I, w- I would love to know or to be there to see the delivery. Like, was he being sarcastic? So, Is that a way to greet someone? <laughs> uh, what if Kaiser had responded... I do. My entire family died. <laughs> right. <laughs> you would hope that he would have some sort of, <laughs> like, some sort of knowledge of that. Um, I, 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 I checked. I read a little bit more, and then I listened to a little bit of the clip. The, okay. the way he was telling the story, it was asked very seriously. But Deshaun Kaiser went on to say he does have a lot of respect for Aaron Rodgers. He said his read on it was that Aaron was trying to get him to think in a different way, think more critically, and that he wanted him to read more about it and then find out for himself that, oh, yes, it's real. All these conspiracies, you have to figure out what's what's real, what's not, and really be able to parse through information. So in that case, Rogers is anti-conspiratorial? Maybe. Or, or just saying, hey, you got to – because I, I, when you sent that over, I was like, 
He probably believes there was some inside job. He probably does. Deshaun might be reading but too much into it. or, we, or we heard Pete Carroll had an interest in the same topic. So, sure. Sure. The truthers. Yeah. Or I mean, I, I don't like that term because it's usually falsers. But, uh, yeah. It, it's it's that would that would throw me off. I think the first time you meet first somebody. time you meet him. <laughs> yeah, I think I'd be I might be unprepared for that conversation. Yeah, that's kind of an intimidating spot because you want to answer honestly, but you're like, oh, am I going to rip this guy's head off? It's rough with his status. I trying to. Th- I, I was told a weird story that I had had weird interaction with somebody like one of the first times I met them this weekend. This was oh. eight years ago. And I was like, yeah, that's... Who was it? Give me a clue. Somebody... I've never had a first interaction that went well. I always hear stories years later, and they're like, God, you're a jerk. I've never had a good second or third interaction with anybody. You're just incredibly (laughs) awkward. I'm I'm usually just grumpy with my head down. People take it the wrong way. It's not you. I have RBF all the time. It's not you. I mean, it happens. I try. We're not we're not approachable people. No. We're not I bad people. We're not completely unfriendly. Adam's probably friendlier than I am. It's just it's you know. I want to be friendly. But or I have not on, upon first meeting, I have not asked anyone about some conspiracy theory. I Like could that be your thing? Like do you just it? you just you get introduced to someone, you're like, "Where are you from?" and then immediately go into the worst thing that's ever happened in that area. That could have affected their well, life you know or their that, family. You know that I'm, I mean, I'm. I, that's my knowledge. My knowledge is basically what's the worst thing that happened in every city. Right. So what if you apply that to your first meeting with everyone the rest of your life moving forward? How do you think that's going to go? I think great. Okay. But Why I, would you ask me that? I just want to see if I have an open mind, man. That's all. Or woman. I'm, I'm the a, problem I'm is a, you, don't, you don't have the sack to do it. I'm going to start trying it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Where are you from? Whoa, what a oh man. Oh boy, you're from Milwaukee. How about that Dahmer, huh? What do you want to know about his house? I went there, I toured it. Great example. And you have a personal connection to it. Sure. All right. Well, you know, new topic for the show. Because you meet a lot of people. I do. Oh boy, you're from... never mind. <laughs> I know you you're not you're excited. You're like trying to think of all the examples. I was like, I don't, I don't want to do it. Try it. See how it goes. Um, all right. This is the portion of the show that uh, Adam requests uh, just about every week down the stretch. It's our tank, 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 tank. Everything is about the tank. If you're, if you're not a 12-win team or better, you don't want to be in the middle. And if signs are that you're not going to win seven or eight games, or well, you're not going to win nine or ten to be in the playoffs, get the hell out. So what are the Packers supposed to do with – Rodgers. Here's Rodgers talking about his status. Yeah, I don't really want to take my mind there, but as long as as long as long we're mathematically alive, I'd like to be out there. Yeah, I mean, there's obviously a lot of other conversations that come into play once you're eliminated, and I'll be open to all those conversations. Pride comes to mind, you know, love of the game, but there's other factors that obviously uh, would come into play uh, should we be mathematically eliminated. What are the factors? What are, the, what are the what are the fa- what are they if they don't play Rodgers? What are they looking for? Well, they need to find out what they have in Jordan Love. They, they know what they have. That's I think this conversation is so stupid. He's not the quarterback of the future. We all know that. Can we well, stop? 
Well, I mean, I think there's... Or, 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 listen, behind the scenes, if this is your logic, hey, maybe we set them up to look just good enough so we can trade... We know he sucks. I think that's the... maybe we can set them up so we get a third-round pick. I think that's the thing. Okay, well then, but but don't, I don't, no one's going to sell me, we need to know what we have. You know what you have. Well, everybody else to know what they have, too. Or... Dupe everyone into believing yeah, in a quarterback in a, a league that is desperate for quarterbacks. Like, hey, this this guy's he we might be able to steal this guy for the fifth round pick, first round value. But I do think he still got it. The end of the game the other day was almost perfect for them if they play Rodgers the rest of the way and be like, hey, look, Jordan Love had a really good fourth quarter in a prevent. I defense. mean, what Christian? What, what? I mean, what a pass! Unbelievable! You see how long that? Yeah, it was a freaking pitch and catch, a slant over the middle that he took sixty yards. Son of a, that hurt, didn't it? It did. It did. The only thing I had to avoid in the entire game, the only rooting interest I had in the entire game was avoiding a Christian Watson touchdown. And I spent three and a half quarters with no problem. And then a little short pass. I was like, all right, short pass. Why is nobody tackling him? Tank, 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 tank. Where do you think Dave Ziegler, the GM of the Raiders, was watching the game against Seattle? And I wonder what his reaction was when Josh Jacobs busted out 86 yards. We saw him leaving the field. He's on the field. Okay. We saw him uh, getting pumped up and then saluting the crowd for some reason. Oh, so he was fired up. Yeah, Inside, was he fired up? I, uh, I wonder what GMs think. Because we talked about this before the year. Like, I believe that John Schneider, the GM of the Seahawks, is probably like, okay, let's got a team here, win five games so I can get the quarterback, please. And then, you know, Pete Carroll's going balls to the wall, and Geno Smith is actually okay. Well, the Seahawks are more rooting against Denver. That's, that's their higher pick at this point. That's a good point. Which is also um, crazy. So with the Raiders, they've now gone two weeks ago, they had the number two pick in the draft. They're now what, number 10? 10. Okay. This upsets you in the in the Fallen, world of tanking all the time. Falling eight spots. Oh, constantly rebuilding. The Adam t- Adam's wish to be the uh, the GM of the A's, the Pirates. Aside from insulting everyone with their worst moment in their area's history, the other dream of his would be run those teams and then you'd be in a 30-year rebuild. Yeah. Well, hey, we got I'm, we got to 82 wins. If we had, we could probably get to 90. Nope, let's trade everyone and go hit the reset button. I'm 76 Not good enough. I'm 76ers. You're, it's always the process. Like a four or five year rebuild, is that's a dream. Yes. But like back to back to back to back to back. Like 25 year rebuild. No, you build. We're close, you, you but nah, win a, not no, You want to win a title. It's just you, eh. you tank when you're We got to pay a salary it. to a position that doesn't matter. Let's hit the reset button. Let's do it. Yeah, I mean, yes, you don't pay running backs. That's true. So how much uh, how much control, self-control are you exerting in media sessions and not blurting out, why are you winning? You well, do get why they – there are certain reasons to point to that winning is positive for the Raiders. No. No, <laughs> I don't. No, I don't know any of them. No, for the players, it's different. Yes. So self-control, yes, with, with the coaches. When we do coaches' interviews and you hear them talk about oh, great, building off this great win, you just want to say, no, no. So there's self-control there. But with players, it's not because I know why they want to win and right. why they want to stay competitive. And look, Derek Carr, while – you know, I mentioned it before, but Derek Carr, while ruining the future of the franchise by winning games, is benefiting himself, which is what he should be doing. It's what he should care about. And and that's what's happening right now. He's, you know, playing playing his way into potentially staying around here next year or get, taking or 
making another team believe that he can be the guy that takes them to the next level. And so it's good. I mean, personally. while the Raiders are going to play Derek Carr, if he doesn't have a you know flare up of the back, they I'm sure they want him to play really well. Of course, I don't know if they want him, they want him in there playing well for the next what seven games, six games, six games. You want him to play really, really well. Like it's been enough, and to lose at the end. Like the, early in the year was <laughs> was ideal. Play well enough to be close, and then lose. That's that's perfect for this year. Because because you're not you're, you're not winning a title this year. Probably not going to the playoffs. I saw earlier today. I saw a graphic on one of the stations that said they're eliminated. They're not officially eliminated. They're still technically around. But I think even you know, I was running the projections the other day. Even if they have a five-game winning streak right now, they're still only at like twenty-four percent chance of making it. Oh wow! So they need help from a lot of different places. Even if they win out, USA Soccer won out today. They won out of pool play. Alexi Lalas had some good reaction after the game. One nothing victory, but USA was not super aggressive in the second half and took on a lot of dangerous chances from Iran. I thought the substitutions were were bad, to be yeah. quite honest. I thought Haji Wright did not add anything. As a matter of fact, they thought he took stuff away, including with Shaq Moore there. But you, you bend, but you don't break. And that man right there, okay, he was charged with bringing this team back, bringing this team back to the World Cup, check, and now doing well in a group stage and getting out of the group. And that's exactly what he delivered. On point about some of the substitutions, they didn't add a whole lot. Yeah, they struggled. Okay. They struggled. Uh, no you like Wallace? About it. His analysis? Yeah, he's. He, I mean, he, he's passionate. I think yeah. that's kind of important. Uh, certainly into it, and I think that that is, you know, that's half of doing the job to to care and to be into it and passionate and, and have stuff to say. I don't. It's not everyone on the panel always sure. is ready to speak. Sure, I don't, and I don't love, you know, partisan analysis all the time. But I think in this case, when it's a, you know, nation versus nation thing, it's probably more acceptable. Christian Pulisic, I mean, he just gave his body for his country in that moment. He, as you said, Clint, he wanted it more. He made up incredible amounts of space in a very short period of time to get by his uh, his uh, defenders and just put his body on the line and put that ball in that ultimately was uh, was the decider. Did Pulisic confirm from the hospital that he'll be good to go on Saturday? Uh, he missed the rest of the game. He said he'll be good to go. He was in the hospital Today. for yeah. the the second half. He was okay. watching the game on TV. Did you see the official injury report? Pelvic contusion. Ooh, wow. A lot of jokes on that one. Ouch. Yeah. Ouch. That doesn't sound very fun. So it's way beyond just getting hit in the junk and a and a you know, a relatively quick recovery. But it sounds like it's mostly just hitting the junk very hard. You think? Spiked? Contusion? I've never heard the injury before. I mean, I don't think like usually you just say like you got kicked in the junk. So you actually you believe this injury could have just been just massive blow to the junk. Oops. Yeah. Uh, Here's more yes, was talking yes, about Iran, like that. who down the stretch just the whining, the flopping, the asking for calls. I mean, just cut it out. Iran can scream and cry all they want about the referees. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. The U.S. won. The U.S. is moving on. And the referees didn't decide this game. There you go. The referees did not decide the game. Um, so, I don't know. Had you seen the uh, pregame press conference with some of the Iranian media? With uh, Burr Halter, the coach, and uh, Adams, one of the players? 
Yeah. Here's a report from the Today Show. This got me a little extra fired up for the game. Team captain Tyler Adams scolded by an Iranian reporter for mispronouncing Iran. Our country is named Iran, not Iran. Who also questioned him about the treatment of black people in the U.S. My apologies on uh, the mispronunciation of your country. Um, yeah, that being said, you know, there's discrimination uh, everywhere you go. In the U.S., we're, we're continuing to make progress uh, every single day. Do you have any problems with any of the questions? Going down the political route when we, well, a lot of us in this country and journalists included have a lot of questions about Qatar and Iran over the years. Yeah, no no question about it. Um, I, mean, I, I think getting an answer from Adams on the treatment of African Americans could be super interesting. He was kind of politically correct there. I'm just, and I hope that's what he believes. Yeah, but w- the reason it started so tense, it started to go down that road. And first of all, don't really have a problem correcting the pronunciation. We hate when people say Nevada. So Which can we do that it? at every press conference moving forward? Yeah. Just stop them. Yeah. Nevada. Not Nevada. Nevada. I like uh, an apology. So I don't really necessarily have it, it sound a little more angry than it might have needed to. It did a little bit. But I, it, the Iran the the Iran thing is like I've noticed it over the years. I'm like, why don't we pronounce it correctly? Yeah. Uh but the the, but, the but reason, I think the roots are from you know the the hostage crisis and all that, so everyone yeah. gets stuck on Iran. Well, I'll bring it up with any Iranian person I meet from now on because that's what I'm going to do. The worst thing that's that's happened. I'll just I bring that up. That's my new. Uh, the is that the thing. word? What uh, the hostage or mispronouncing the name? No, the hostage. Probably the hostage. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so the reason it, it started to get down this road to get a little bit more tense and got a little bit more, uh, I guess, combustible, is that there was an image tweeted out by the U.S. account, the U.S. Mm-hmm. soccer account. That was a misrepresentation of their flag, and they were upset about that, and they were going after Burhalter and the players about it. Right? They have no. They, yeah, they don't Brian even know Burhalter what you're talking like, about. You can just tell he's like, I'm, like I, I don't I'm run the social media I'm account. Not, I'm not doing this. Yeah, I don't run our Twitter account. My ba- like, sorry, I, that's that sucks right. and it's unfortunate, but that's not us. I think that I thought they handled it really well. Yeah, both of them. Yeah, I thought so. To to have to answer questions about things that you really have nothing to do with or care about. Yeah. Unless both of them had been very active in making statements in the past. I'm, you know, if you have an opinion, if if it's an athlete or a coach who has an opinion prior to a matchup, then those questions certainly can be asked. Right? You open the door. You yeah. had comments in the past, so okay, let's follow up on yeah, this. Let's, sure. let's, let's talk politics. For sure. And by the way, this was a very political match. Like, sports and politics have never, ever... Been separate things. And I know that people like to make it stick to sports. They've never, international sporting events, national sporting events, it doesn't matter. It's always politics. And so, like, this, that was a big part of it, especially with what's going on in Iran right now. Tulsani, he'll lift it up, Reem back, tracking out, jump, flicked, header! It's loose and cleared away by Zimmerman. Job not done. U.S. got to get back. They're screaming. Iran, it's a penalty. Adams blocks it. Musa. Second ball. Someone just get rid of that thing, and they do. Now this is going to be reviewed. Marquinhos, and now Vinicius Junior try to work something. Oh! Casemiro, that ball down nicely for Brazil. Now back to Coalfield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. studio. 
You know, you sent over a story today about uh, possible postseason or after-season awards. I guess they're postseason awards for guys like Max Crosby. What kind of recognition is Josh Jacobs going to get? I guess uh, your boy uh, Josh Dubow from AP sent out a really interesting number on. I mean, this it's a great measure of not all stats are great, but it's a good measure of impact on an offense. Yeah, no question. Uh, if you look at guys that have picked up first downs, both rushing and receiving combined. Uh, One of the leaders on like the 50-something range. So number three through five, there's a tie. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, Travis Kels, and Aaron Jones all at 57. All, all awesome players. And Kelsey is an MVP candidate, if not for Mahomes. Yeah, yeah, but Travis, he's awesome. Yeah, Travis Kels, 57, just like the other two guys. So that's three through five. They're tied at 57 first downs. 57. Number two in the league is Tyree Kill, 58. Who's been unreal. Yeah. He's going to set receiving records if yeah. he can pick it back up again. Josh Jacobs, 80. Season. Yeah, Josh Jacobs, how many? 80. 80 versus 58 is second place. 80 is first place. Yeah. 58, second, 57, a three-way tie. He must third. be really good at that one-yard dive. Yeah, not quite. That's all he's doing. No. <laughs> he's got n- none longer than uh, God. first or second. There are second so many weird things about the Raiders season. Yeah. Like Darren Waller just completely absent. Just has not worked out at all. No. The offense not clicking for much of the season. Devontae Adams about to have his best season ever. Running backs, dime a dozen. Don't have to pick up the option on Josh Jacobs. 80 first downs. Didn't, Second place, 58. Okay. Didn't, uh, we, we, we do get caught up in the didn't pick up the option for the fifth year. Yeah. They also drafted two running backs. Yep. They went all in on not having Josh Jacobs on this team in the future. They played him in the first preseason game. I know. Remember all the fear, fear over that where people are like, what the? Oh, yeah. he's gone. Incredible. I would say it still bothers him, too. Good. Just saying. Just saying. Good. Where are we now in terms of the Raiders coming up with like a three-year offer, healthy bonus, competitive salary? Still no shot? Well, I think that he's <laughs> – they like everyone else are going are going to try, right? I mean, I think they could also they could also tag him. Which I mean, when you don't, when you don't pick up the option and then you throw a franchise tag on a guy, right? That's not, that's not great. What was the option worth? Uh, I think it was like eight or nine, and then franchise tag would be somewhere what fourteen, fifteen, sixteen million, thirteen ish. Okay. So and it would depend if a feather deal get done before. That, you know, pay him. And if you're a team that's looking to secure a running back, you might want to do it quickly just to drive the Raiders number up. Uh, but, yeah, it's, uh, it's it's pretty it's pretty crazy that you made that decision and went all in on moving on from Josh Jacobs. And then he is he's doing this. And, by the way, the usage. Like, this is not how they use running backs in the past, McDaniels and, and Ziggler, where they come from with the Patriots. It's not how they do it. And McDaniels has said a couple times, it wasn't really our plan to use him 100% of the time, but the guy just forces you to. Coming up next, we check back in on uh, UNLV football program, getting rid of the school, getting rid of Marcus Arroyo. And, man, just watching social media, boy, these coaching searches, especially for football, nothing brings out just the the battering, the bruises over the years that UNLV football fans and onlookers have from you know all the underachieving than a coaching search. I mean, it is 
it's a freaking war zone out there right now. We're going to talk to John Denton, really good quarterback in the past for the Rebels, and see what he thinks UNLV should be doing moving forward. Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve Cofield and at Adam Hill LVRJ or tweet the show at Cofield and Co. Harrison Bailey drops back, looking good protection. Long pass in the near side of the field. Kyle Williams with a reception, and he's in for a Rebel touchdown. Whoa, baby. 45 yards, and the Rebels have tied it. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota studio. studio. Uh, we love them, right? Coaching searches. We've been through a bunch of these. I don't know if we love them, but they are interesting, and they are getting more and more intense with social media and also so many anonymous accounts chiming in. Are we really going to do this with Christmas music for an entire month, though? Yeah, why not? The holidays have started. I don't know what your problem is. Uh, John Denton's with us, former UNLV quarterback. I know he pays attention to what's going on with the program. John, how you doing? I'm good. How are you guys? Uh, we're good. You know, we're getting ready here for like probably, hopefully, <laughs> uh, about seven or eight days of a coaching search and, you know, debates about who it should be. And then, of course, a reaction to who it is. But first of all, give me your reaction to the school deciding to move on from Marcus Arroyo. Yeah, I think just like most folks, I was uh, kind of taken back a little bit. It's not a characteristic for us to make some of these moves like this, I think. But um, so sudden, right after the cannon. Um, you know, the cannon game, the painting was happening. I think it, again, shocked a lot of people, but it didn't shock me so much that it that it happened. Um, I think the timing of it, again, the characteristic nature of it. But when you have time to digest it, for like I did for the last 24 hours or so, I think when you look at what's happening in our local sports scene, um, the time is now to make a move. And I think there's just some, there's probably some big money, or I wouldn't say big money, but there's probably a little bit more money than what UNLV is as used to playing with, uh, out there behind this move, in, in my opinion. Well, going back to the rationale that, hey, expectations were not being met, did you think Arroyo had a chance to get the program to seven or eight wins next year? I did. I thought he earned enough, uh, at least for a shot at one more year, um, especially, um, again, going through the injuries and so on and so forth. But I think when you look at the body of the work, which, which again, they look at the body of the work, I don't think they look at so much of the recency and we had some struggles this year. We played against some inferior opponents where we looked like the inferior opponent. Um, and I think just the last game, for me, we, we needed a goal line stand at the very end against a super inferior team that we should have dominated uh, in one of the biggest games, technically our Super Bowl of the year. So I think the writing was on the wall. I think the, you know, the, the ice was thin, so to speak, and um, it made the decision. I, I, don't, I don't doubt the decision is going to pay off in the long run. I think, like I said, there's some – there's some ulterior motive behind that decision happening so quickly, in my opinion. So, I mean, you mentioned the uh, the last game of the year against Reno, kind of surviving against a team you probably should have beat pretty handily. Uh, is is winning that game? I mean, you've been in the program. Is winning that game generally enough uh, to you know to make you think you've had a successful season? Well, I wouldn't say it's necessarily enough, um, but I think it's the biggest game um, on the schedule for for our school. Right, we're not used to going to bowl games. Um, we're not used to having winning seasons, so this should be looked at as the biggest game of the season on the calendar at the beginning of the year every year. Um, and again, it's, I don't think it's taken seriously. Uh, I know Tony Sanchez took it seriously. Um, I don't think some of our most recent coaches really take the in-state rivalry as seriously as some of the folks up north do. Um, we've been fortunate to have better teams the last few years. Um, and again, we had a better team this year, which got us by, but we should have blown that team out, in my opinion. So, I guess now that we're entering this this stage of coaching search, what do you think are the most important qualities to look for for a new coach? Well, I think 
I think Harper hit it right on the head. You got to have somebody with experience. Um, you got to have somebody with Power Five or at least Group of Five experience as a head coach. Somebody that's at least been in dogfights of a conference. Like I, I was asked earlier today, and I think I, I explained it to you guys. I'm a fan of Nick Rolovich. Um, I know him personally. Um, I think he's a great hire. Um, put the lawsuit stuff aside. I don't even I don't even consider that stuff. But you talk about somebody that's recruited the West Coast. He's recruited the island, which we know is a big attractor in the Las Vegas market. But he's also won at Hawaii, a very difficult place to win, very difficult place to recruit mainland kids to. So you got to win with your own and with your faithful. So, again, coaches, our kids, coaches love to coach with him, um, and players love to play for him. So, again, and he's not in that top tier probably of your, uh, of your expense market. So he could probably add a quarterback in, the, uh, in, in that uh, package as well with him too. So I think it's interesting on Rolovich, you said you don't even think about the lawsuit stuff, but you do have to admit, college administrators have to look at that in terms of working with a Rolovich, and you know we may never have a situation as crazy as COVID and the shots and state mandates, but when you're hiring someone, you do have to kind of judge them on their ability to work with you and often as a subordinate. Obviously, I think they'll vet him, um, but I think when you look at those situations and whatever side of the flag you're on for that for that debate, um, I think this is a super unique situation to where it's not tampering or it's not having some, you know, illegal actions outside of uh, recruiting or, um, you know, the, the Hugh Free stuff where you're calling strippers or escorts or whatever it is. I, I think it's a little bit different, and I think you have to look at it as a completely separate situation. And if our administration doesn't do that, I think it's a disservice to him as, a, as, a, as an opportunity for a candidate. What would be your reaction if they, again, went the coordinator route from a Power Five? I would be highly upset just because the expectations were set right away from, from the first interview that uh, the AD did is that, hey, I need, these are my expectations. These are my uh, the characteristics that I'm looking for, and we're going to go out and hire to that, you know, to that characteristic. And there are people out there that fit that mold right, that would be a great fit for this university. And I think if they go Power 5, it's, uh, you're going to lose fan base, you're going to lose interest, um, and you can't afford to do that in the, in, in the big city or the big stadium with the lights that are, that are as bright as they are on you at this point. That's John Denton. He's a Rebel. He knows UNLV football. He played quarterback for the Rebels. Can I give you something I've seen very few people talk about, and that yeah. is the actual roster? Um, because I, I think the 4 and one start got people believing that this was a much improved roster. When you watch them, did you see holes in certain positions? Because I couldn't get Harper to say it yesterday. We talked to him, but I don't know that they believe in the entirety of the roster that Arroyo actually built. This is just my opinion, and it's no slight on any one of the players or any one of the coaches or anything. I was in the locker room this summer. I saw those guys lift weights. Um, they were bigger, faster, stronger. Um, they had a great coaching staff in the weight room. One thing that really struck me was Cam Friel, right? Big, strong kid. I love yeah. Cam Friel. Him and I talked last year, had a great relationship kind of outside of UNLV or outside of the facility. And to see his development kind of go stagnant was, was a surprise to me, being that we had the quarterback guru as the head coach, right? And he had the Mountain West freshman year, something that I, I, I took to, I was like, hey, man, this kid's got something. And for his development to almost just stop all of a sudden, and it just – it just threw me for a little loop, thinking, hey, what's the development like for, for the quarterback in that room? And club transfers, comes back in, wins the job. We've got a five-star transfer, Harrison Bailey. I think we, 
I think we see that he may not have been ready or may not have been as skilled as that five-star we, we've seen. Um, so, yeah, I definitely think there's holes in the roster. When, you're, when you have holes that are made up by a lot of transfers, there's a lot of guessing going on in that season. But I think they did all right. They had some injuries. They gelled early. Um, and to overcome those injuries, you've got to have focus. You've got to have um, – Two deep skills, and we don't like. We just we just didn't have it in some situations. Yeah, I, I like Arroyo, and I thought he did a pretty good job. The roster is certainly better than when he came in, but to build on your quarterback point, that was one of the things this year that was kind of mystifying when he had talked about Friel and Bailey not being ready in certain spots, and talked about Brumfield getting the majority of the reps in practice. As the reason why the other guys might not be ready, I mean, don't you always have to have your backup quarterbacks ready and developing? Yeah, you think. I mean, that's the most important position on the on, on the team, right? Is is the backup quarterback? And I think you had a solid solid start and a solid foundation to build off of uh, with with Cam Friel. Again, I wasn't I wasn't in the the day to day or the the building of that foundation, but if he hit his ceiling after last year, I, I, I'm really surprised and really shocked because. And the other thing I saw is that when you look at these two, these two players, they're two different players, um, and they run kind of the same offense when these two players are out there, right? So for me, Cam Friel's down the field, chuck it and fling it kind of quarterback. Um, you see that in his high school film. You see it last year. Um, Doug's more of that RPO, that read-run kind of guy. You have to make adjustments, and I don't think we made adjustments in, the, in, the, in, those, in those areas where we have the other quarterback in either. I also thought it was really interesting at the start of the season and people kind of overreacted to it when Harrison Bailey actually said, hey, this offense is really hard to learn. It's actually more complicated than Tennessee. And then we saw cases where Brumfield ran the uh, entire, well, I'm not going to say the entire offense. Brumfield sounded like Brumfield was in charge of protection. And when Friel and Bailey went in, Lee Fontenot, the center, admitted, hey, there's more on my plate now that Brumfield is out. Like, how do you take that as a quarterback that, some of the quarterbacks are, you know, one of the, the main starters, and like he's in charge of most of the protection, but the, the center has to get a lot more involved when the backups are in there. You know, you're putting too much, it puts too much focus and influence on that number one starter in practice, where your number two and number three are getting so much limited, or, you know, very limited reps that you have to have some sort of crutch for them on the field. I think that's the only answer to that. Or, I mean, I hate to say it, is the players just didn't put enough effort, enough time in. In the into learning the schemes, I, I hate to say that on the second part. I would rather think it's the first part, but um, yeah, in my opinion, I think they just put too much focus on Doug as the starter out of the gate. Um, maybe maybe to appease him from the transfer portal. I don't know. You have to think about that stuff. Again, I like Doug. I've met him before. I like all these quarterbacks. There's nothing against them. He just as a fan first, as an alumni, a guy that went to the university. I'm tatted on my arm with the Hey Reb. Like I bleed Rebel Red, and you know these guys. We got some answers, you know. We got we got some questions that we need to answer, and um, it'll be interesting how they solve it. John, what do you say to people, uh, whether it's social media or come up, you know, in a personal conversation? They're like, "Hey, you went to UNLV. Why hasn't the program achieved, you know, for a good, uh, you know, at, at a higher level, making bowl games consistently?" What do you tell them? Well, like, what's been the big problem? I think it's a combination of multiple variables. One, I think for a long time, I think we were looked at from a football standpoint as kind of a second-tier option in a city of lights and entertainment, right? And I think when you look at the history of the attendance records, every year it's right around that 20,000 mark, right? And I think that's kind of your fan base that you have to build off of. And we don't, again, I think in our part, we don't hit our alumni enough. 
Um, I know for a fact there's five or six coaches at the high school level and junior college level right now that I've talked to that say UNLV coaches, the last four or five, haven't even sniffed their campus. They're sending players to Colorado State, Boise State. Heck, my center in college, Bubba Gonzalez, his son plays center for Boise State. He didn't even get recruited by UNLV. So it starts in some areas that are probably smaller and more granular than people want to get into, but that's just me being a, being a super fan and being inside the building for a few years. So um, that's why I'll leave it at that. John, let's catch you on in a couple weeks once they make the hire because we definitely want your reaction on whoever it is, okay? Let's do it. Thank you so much. Thanks, man. All right. There he is, John Denton, former UNLV quarterback, real gunslinger. That's another topic we have not talked about is the uh, the local recruiting. There's a lot of things that went in that I believe went into relieving Arroyo of his duties, but that's one of those really complicated situations, you know, kind of a chicken and the egg. You know, can you can you really recruit local at the highest level if you're not winning? You know, when so many people in the market have kind of seen what UNLV football has been and it hasn't been great, is the only way to repair that just simply winning with players from outside the market or from the get-go, do you have to go out and, you know, recruit, kiss some booty. Uh, you may not get the guys you want, all the three and four stars. You might have to take a couple of guys you really don't, you really don't want, right? To kind of curry favor with coaches. You know, there's an ego thing in it too. So you hear a lot. You hear, you, we've heard a lot. Obviously, Mike Romala from the Las Vegas Sun wrote a story about high school recruiting. I kind of, I take, I can see both sides where, you know, coaches are upset. But I can also see when you're building a program, like, I, I don't know that I, I wonder where you fall on this. Cause you're, you're kind of a no nonsense guy. Like, do you, how much do you need to be out locally shaking hands and kissing babies with local high school coaches? If you don't think that's the way you can win initially, don't you just go the other route? What do you do? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think part of it is you're, you're trying to recruit guys just to show that you're trying to, right. I mean, you, you have to actually take it seriously. And I think, I do think there was some like window dressing of, Hey, we're trying when they really weren't right of, Hey, look, what do you want us to do? We're not getting the guys and not really putting, you know, putting the time in it's, it's the easiest place to recruit, right? You can go after practice. You don't have to be out from a proximity point. It is the easiest place from a reality standpoint. Is it the easiest place? Sometimes going, sometimes going away from the school and going to Texas and California, where they haven't been inundated by the negativity. Sure, I just mean around the program. Like you don't have, you don't have to, like I don't have to reprogram some coach in Texas. I can sell them a fresh vision, and they're like, well, I kind of know about UNLV, but it's not like you guys just suck. Why would I send my guy there? Not, I'm not saying high school coaches do that. Yeah, but I think I, that some might think it. I mean, logistically, it's the easiest place to recruit in terms of like at least trying, at right. least show that you are. Because you're right, may, maybe you're thinking. Hey, the three best guys this year aren't going to come here because you know they haven't. We've been bad. They don't want to come here. We keep hearing that. But if you if you work at it, maybe two years from now, yeah. somebody's like, "Oh, they really they really made an impression on this guy, and they really tried." I might give them a chance. I might give them the benefit of the doubt. But if you're just ignoring and ignoring and ignoring, and then you wait, and there's a five star kid like, "Hey, why don't you come here?" Like, where have you been the last three years, man? Like, I'll go back to the middle of the conversation real quick because we'll be talking about this here and there throughout the week. I'm telling you, the roster matters. And I don't see people talking about the roster. I see people concentrating on, you know, what it means to win five games or, you know, the, the, the stupidity of just judging by wins. I mean, any moron who's sending out 
you know, Sanchez had four wins in his last year. This guy had five, you know, whatever, you know, 4.65 million, whatever he made. Like, stop. Stop with the wins. Like, the people in charge are not dumb enough just to freaking judge on wins. We already, I mean, we had Eric Harper yesterday. First of all, you have to judge the quality of the wins. Sure. Um, you also have to look around the conference and go, why is San Jose State <laughs> with no facilities and no fans? Why is that school better? Yeah. You know, why is San Diego State and Fresno State good every year? Why couldn't this program the last two years defend Air Force? Got to play them all the time. Couldn't defend, but it's it comes down to the roster and what the roster looks like moving forward and how you're building the roster. I, that's fair, but who, I, I would, who do you have as a collection of players? Is that going to? And I'm not. I think they have a lot of really good players. Yeah, but they still have some areas on the team where you're like, wow, this hasn't really gotten a lot better in these positions. Well, I, I, I think part of the reason people aren't talking about it is because objectively, it's a better roster now than when they took it. Oh, it it is a better roster. Better. Yeah. So that really, I, I will also be. to be harsh, I will also say I don't think people really know the roster. Sure, I would say so they're just judging on. Wins and they're judging on a four and one start, assuming that well they were that the roster was much better. Um, but I cut you off. Keep going. No, I, I would hope that part of it was, and I, I, I mean, how many times have I talked about this the last three years? Some of his in-game decisions were atrocious, atrocious. And so, I would hope that somebody higher up looked at that and said, "Hey, man, even some games you win, your decisions suck." What are you doing? It looks like sometimes you don't even know what you're doing out there. You're just guessing. And I've said that. It's not like I'm saying it now. How many times have I said this? I'm just laughing because I feel like you were holding back yesterday. I was like, why will you Why will you not let loose with your thoughts? No, no I look, I've said it time and time again. I don't, I don't think he knows what he's doing half the time in the game. But you sometimes did think he deserved another year. And you're not exactly in love with well, firing you, him after three. Well, if you, if you look at. Like, look, he's built the program to a certain level. Right. Now, my my take, and I know that we've talked about this weird off the air. I think, I think he came in and treated a lot of people very badly, and and this is from media to people in the community to high right. school coaches to staff at UNLV that I talked to, power brokers too. So when you need support, right? And you know, and and by the way, there's not like. The massive donors that are involved with basketball, it's not, football's not exactly the same. No. But th- those are people you need. Sure. Like if people are walking by you in, on campus and they say, three. people are walking by on campus and you say, hey, coach, and you just put your head down and ignore them, probably not the best thing. And that works if you win 12 games. Doesn't work if you win five. And I think that is a, that is a big issue. And I think it's probably, I would imagine on some level, at least part of this. Join Cofield and Company on Thursdays for the live 2 to 5 show at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino. During all NFL games this season, get 77 cent beers. It's Thursday night football at Silver 7's Flamingo in Paradise. Cofield and Company presents. Grab bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Do a giveaway before we get out of here in a couple of minutes. A great show coming up. Residency. ZZ Top is in town at the Venetian. Ticketmaster.com is where you can get your tickets. Two tickets right now. 364-1100. We're going to make Ari work. 
Sorry, man. Caller 77. 364-1100. Caller 77. Keep calling. Ari will help you out. Get in the bag. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Uh, can you give me your reaction on Nick Rolovich being thrown out as a name by John Denton and others? No. Why not? This is, by the way, because John kind of suggested, like, wherever you fall on this side or that side, the, the side I fall on is if I'm a boss and you were insubordinate, Yeah. there's a good chance that you could be a problem again. Like, I, I probably have softened my stance on what Rolovich did with the state mandates and why he got booted from Wazoo. But you have to under you have put yourself in the position. So again, if you're Eric Harper, right, and Adam's on to something, you know, uh, Marcus Arroyo could be a guy who you know he's he's a confident guy. So I'm sure there were some you know butting of the heads if you just fired a guy who maybe you didn't get along with perfectly. The next guy you bring in got booted from the state and the university because he was going to do what he wanted to do. Yeah, like who's going to sign up for that? Yeah. I mean, maybe maybe a longtime AD who's on his you know fourth coaching hire and he's got connections to Rolovich and loves him, but an AD who clearly wants his own person in the position. Yeah, don't make it about don't make it about vaccines or anything else. Make it about can, insubordination. Can I work with you? Yeah. Are we going to be able to work together, yeah. or is there going to be something crazy a year where I'm like, what did I do? And people are like, we told you, you already had the proof. He's a good football coach. But he's a very quirky character. It's fine. Very quirky. All right. Ari's been answering the phones. Still available. Still available. Ari's Caller 77. 9 o'clock. ZZ Top. Venetian. 364-1100.